you know, if we try to speak, uh, obviously, five people together or ten people together, you will not understand. But this is really the, the miracle of music that not only can be heard simultaneously as something that makes sense, but they also support each other. You don't have to make it happen. It was already done in a way by the score that you got. It's already there. You have to bring yourself and others to realize how they actually support each other. My name is Julie Masters and welcome to another episode of Inside Influence, in which I delve into the minds of some of the world's most fascinating influencers or experts in influence or people who have a very unique viewpoint on a crazy world of influence to get to the bottom of what it really takes to own your voice and then amplify it to drive an industry, a conversation, a movement or a nation. Now, in the case of today's interview, we're going to be focusing on the movement part of that, in particular, driving a vision as a leader. Because leaders, that's, that's our job, right? To take a vision and then translate it through the energy and the talents of our teams. Sounds simple, never is. We're, our entire role is to create enough harmony to enable flow and cohesion so that we have no wasted energy and stuff just gets done. But then also enough friction, through creativity or competitive pressure to breed the type of innovations that redefine our space. Again, sounds simple. Actually, it doesn't. And is one of those skill sets that can take a lifetime in the making. However, that is a playing field. This is a playing field that today's guest, Itai Talgam, knows too well. Itai is an orchestral conductor turned leadership maestro, love that term, having decoded how leaders can amplify their influence by learning from some of the greatest conductors of all time. With a lifetime of experience behind him, Talgam has conducted many orchestras across Europe, including being the first Israeli conductor to perform with the St. Petersburg Philharmonic Orchestra. He now also teaches key leadership and influence skills derived from his exceptional career to Fortune 500 companies, nonprofits, universities, and at conferences and seminars around the world, including Google Zeitgeist, the World Economic Forum, just a, a small name there, and a TED Talk that has had 3.5 million views and counting. After you've listened to this, please go and check it out. His words combined with his energy and the visuals just takes everything to a whole new level. Now, while your office is clearly not a stage and your team are more than likely not professional musicians, believe me when I say that this is one of those topics that transcends your situation as a leader. The ability to amplify your vision through the talents of other people without saying a word, without picking up an instrument, a laptop, uh, whatever it is that you work on, or, and this is important, getting down into the pit and micromanaging the hell out of the process. Now that, that is the holy grail of influence. And in today's episode, we are going to be covering the intersection between the office and the conductor's podium, why there's more similarities than you would ever think. The sheer gravity of silence as a tool for influence, what it is to create space for others in leadership. This one is essential for anyone that has been a leader for a while you will you will know how leadership is you know one part your opinion and nine parts integrating the stories and the opinions of other people 
How do you ensure that the other people's stories are shared from a platform, from your platform? The balance between direction and enabling self-expression. And why creating space to simply enjoy your creation revitalizes your role as a leader. So as always, sit back, relax, or tap your feet, whatever tickles your fancy, and enjoy my conversation with the maestro of influence, Itai Talgan. Welcome to the podcast, Itai Talgan. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, so thrilled to have you. So thrilled to have you on. Um, I've been hoping to have you on the podcast for, for a very long time. And we'll get into the whys of that as we go through. But I'm going to kick off the same way I always kick off. And that is to ask you a question, which is whether you consider yourself to be an introvert or an extrovert. And the reason behind this question is that for a lot of people getting up in front of an audience of that size would seem to be something that, you know, that's what an extrovert would do. And so I'm always curious, especially with people who um, who have careers such as yours, whether you consider yourself to be introverted or extroverted by nature. Hmm. <laughs> it's a great question because there's no real answer. Uh, I think I think the safe uh, answer would be to say that I'm, you know, that bipolar <laughs> uh, in a severe way. That is, on stage, I'm extremely uh, extrovert. But then um, off stage, um, I, I, in intimate, maybe more more intimate setting, it it might be completely different. So maybe it's one feeding the other. So being introverted, feeding feeding your extrovert. Yeah, could be. There's, there's so many things accumulating, and uh, <laughs> there's a trigger. Then you go on on, on stage, and and it comes out. Yeah, uh, like a like an you know stream of, of of verbalized stream of thought or something. Now you've you've said that the podium is like your office, and you you walk into your office, you make one small gesture, and suddenly out of the chaos, there is order. Harmony, noise becomes music, which I you know I I know a lot of leaders, and I and I have been myself a leader for many years, and I think that that's an experience that most of us can only can only dream about and yet you've said that it's not about you and it's not about the gesture so if it's not about either of those two things what happens in that moment what is it about well uh, there, there are two things i'd like to say about it first about the, the the way i express myself which is i think also in this Basically, you know, I, I agree with myself here, which is already a, a good thing. Uh, 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 but the description is a little bit ironic also, because the podium is not an office. Uh, I invite people, I mean, that are in the room with me to think of it as, as the office. And immediately they start thinking about the gap between this and office, as you did. The, the idea of just getting into the office and doing a small gesture with your hand or whatever your head or something and and that changes reality from silence to beautiful harmonious music uh is unthinkable so the idea is really not to say this is what it is but rather um this is 
an interesting gap we can look into. Uh, so that, that, that's one crucial thing for me. Um, uh, and, and what really happens there, well, what really happens depends uh, uh, deeply uh, on, on, on the, the culture and on, on the style of leadership. I mean, it could be as well, I mean, it, it, in, in the worst cases, it could be like putting on the light, you know. Everybody's so well trained, everybody's professional, you just look for the a cue from the conductor, this small technical gesture uh, that will tell everybody when to start and then they start. Um, all the mechanical thing. Uh, on the other side of the spectrum, I would, I would say, you know, this is a moment that, 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 that creates the kind of silence, not silence as a void, but silence as a vessel in which people playing in the orchestra would feel comfortable uh, to start uh, expressing themselves and, and, and listening to others and creating their own process of being in harmony because it's, it's never a static thing, harmony. It's, it's, it's a process. Uh, so you see, the way you lead your people, not, not just in that, at that moment and the, the way, the, their expectations, um, and your expectations, uh, they, they will create very different moments there. Look, looking from the outside, it might look almost the same, one gesture and the music starts, but it, whole different worlds can, 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 uh, can be created. There's something amazing that you just said there, which is it actually isn't about the moment or the gesture or the sound that, that comes from that. It's actually about the moment of silence you create as a leader, like the, the, the gravity that you bring into a room where everybody slows down, they stop, they focus, and that silence creates a space where everything can come in together. Does it feel like that from stage? It could, it could. Again, I don't think anybody, even not, you know, I, I happen to, to, along the years, work with, with as assistant and uh, with, with some of the greatest conductor of, of let's say, the 20th century, uh, like Claudio Abado, like... Uh, like Leonard Bernstein, of course, my mentor. Um, and even for them, people with uh, such a depth of, you know, everything that has to do with that uh, ability, it's, it was always a, a different thing. It's not just a, um, a nice, humble way of saying it. You know, I depend on other people. It's really, you're really uh, uh, there only as a, you know, a key to, to opening something that involves so many other people, it was never the same. So sometimes it does feel fantastic, and sometimes you're just struggling, struggling, struggling to get to some point of inner, um, you know, um, quietness, or that that that, that can, and, and you know, sometimes uh, it just happens, but you're not part of it. That's also frustrating. You understand that your people, so to speak, are so much ahead of you. Uh, uh, and you could just try not to make uh, to cause any damage uh, during a performance. It also happens. It's it, it's it's not you know always satisfying in the same way. How would you how would you define the primary role of a great conductor? Uh, avoiding cliches. You know, it's it's. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to to make a little um, um, detour and tell you about one of what I perceive as my advantages as a speaker. 
and this is that I don't speak English. <laughs> I mean, I do, but not, but not that well. And and uh, and often uh, things that uh, that would be very easy maybe to to convey using. Uh, I just don't have the wording. I, I I search. I search, and I'm probably slower than people people expect at at first. And then um, and that it leaves space. It simply leaves space, and people are trying to help me. Sometimes even people come and say, "We really like to help you. You know, you look like a bit lost." So it makes them. And people people are by nature empathic, and they want to help. I mean, if you're not wasting their time, they 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 they, they want to help you get across. And 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 so they think for you, and 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 and, and suddenly you understand that this is your job. Your job is not to come with a perfect phrase, but it's that I'm able to be that process without, you know, authentically, that process of, you know, uh, let's search for something that describes it in the best way. And probably people in the room will have better um, observations or thoughts. Um, you must assume that you know, speaking to you know, 500 CEOs of you know, respectable uh, companies, you must assume that <laughs> they know better than you. And so... Uh, Again, it's it's not it's not just a pose or a, a trick. Uh, if you're really genuinely uh, doing that, you are, in my mind, doing what leaders should be doing. Uh, you are um, somehow. Again, I'm trying to not to use words that come even to my uh, broken English, like motivate or motivate or you know aspire, inspire. Or that. You're just making space. And, 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 and you're being extremely interested in what people may bring to the, those spaces. You don't know the answers. You're being ignorant. Uh, and, um, and then in some way you're able to listen in a way that makes, I mean, listen to somebody, for example, from the audience speaking, in a way that will make others not only wait their turn, you know, just to say the, the, the good answer, but really to, to listen and to take into account what has been said already. And, and you know, creating this uh, community of listeners, if you want, is, is the ultimate goal of a leader. When I was looking into your world, I was trying to define the primary role of a conductor. I was trying to get it clear in my head and see the links between conducting and leadership, which are so vast and so varied and so many. And that question, how do you, how do you, what is the primary role of a great conductor? Is it keeping pace? Is it directing the activity? Is it setting the energy? Is it course correcting? And I was just interested in how you define that in your own mind. When you get up there in front of all of those people, 50 to 100 talented individuals in front of you. How do you feel your role to be in that moment? First of all, people need to feel safety. They need to know that they are in the hands of a capable conductor who could lead them through you know, financial crisis, uh, competition with other orchestras and all that. And then, okay, let us participate. So it, it's... <laughs> It takes, it takes, for me, maybe I'm slow, but it took so many years for me to understand that. Picking up on what you were saying about safety, most people need to feel safe within the confines of the space that you create before they will participate, before they feel like they're able to participate. And I think that that's huge. Sometimes, you know, somebody comes in and have great reputation. That in itself might do a huge effect. Uh, so 
It's just, I'm being treated. I'm, I'm part of this world of success. These are all also, you know, outside elements that they help. And if we ignore them and say, hey, why don't you just look at, uh, you know, the quality of what's been given to you? It does work. You're, again, you, there are so many elements. And it's not about looking there for the right way. It's looking for, you know, really what's needed now and how can you start and then create enough uh, feeling of safety and comfort so you can maybe, you know, move to, 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 uh, to the other uh, um, aspect, but 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 you have to be very careful because if people show discomfort by being led into a yeah. out of their comfort zone to have to, to to decide for themselves, and you say, okay, okay, I'm there to decide for you, and then at a certain point you flip, then they don't understand that either. Then they just got used to being you know on a on a leash. So, so, so it's a very delicate balance between saying, I'm going to support you, but, but you know that you're a mother. <laughs> it comes back to holding that space again, doesn't it? Holding the space of, you know, this is a, this is a safe container for you. We have this, we, you know, we will do everything to, to hold these boundaries in place so that you can create and go out there and be your, your largest, most incredible self we will hold the boundaries and then within that boundary you need to come to the party and bring your best self if we're going to do yeah. what we need to do um you had said that a a great conductor's happiness doesn't just come from his joy or her joy or, or love of music but the joy is actually enabling other people's stories to be heard at the same time so the stories of each individual musician the story of the composer who wrote the piece of music, the stories of the people who created the incredible instruments, the story of the room itself and all the energy that they add into the mix that lifts the music higher. And when I read that, I thought, you know, that's fantastic. But that's actually, I have found to be one of the hardest parts of leadership, that you're holding the need to hold space for so many stories simultaneously. You know, it's like tracking a hundred lines of music at the same time. And has has that does that feel overwhelming to you as a conductor, or do you do you tune into something completely different once the music begins than every individual story in that room? Well, I, I, I was trying to point at this this uh, extremely lucky phenomenon that um, music enables, which is so many. Uh, voices, literally voices, uh, uh, being heard at the same time. You know, if we try to speak, uh, obviously, five people together or ten people together, you will not understand. But this is this is really the, the miracle miracle of music that, that not only those uh, can be heard simultaneously as, as a, well, uh, something that makes sense, but they also support each other. And 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 now you don't have to make it happen. It's not. It it was already done in a way by by the first, uh, you know, by the score that you that, that you got. It's already there. Uh, you have to bring yourself and others to realize how uh, you know how they actually support each other. And it's not to get the ego out of of, of people. It really starts from a place which is not about the ego, but about uh, um, you know. So you have to look for something that will uh, allow everybody to come together. Um, do their best, uh, be thrilled by you know this this uh, you know also a feeling of 
um, you know, I'm, I'm so good, I can do it with everybody else. It's not, you don't have to say, oh, I'm not important. No, you are important. You're so fantastic. But you're doing it with other fantastic people. And it's not about being polite or uh, this political correctness is not, is not, uh, it's not the world you want to create. Uh, but, 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 but really, if, the, if, 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 if your joy from, from playing music is, you know, X, you will discover that, that, that when those X's join together, it will be, uh, so much more that, that it's really worth your, uh, it, it, it's, you know, on, on a, on a very, um, uh, non-altruistic, just, uh, you know, egotistic, uh, level, it's worth your while to get into this, uh, um, togetherness thing. Um, and when this happens, you don't have to, to worry. Certainly you don't have to try to control each detail or each, uh, instrument that's bound to fail. Well, let's let's pick up on that. Let's talk about um, commanding versus over-commanding. Um, you've told this incredible story that I have heard you tell about a conductor called Muti. Can you share his his style and and I mean, obviously, some things worked about it, some things don't, doesn't. But where that ended up with the orchestra that he was conducting. I, I I don't know this 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 man personally. I know him from all kinds of television uh, television interviews and watching him rehearsing with Israel Philharmonic um, or uh, or with Philadelphia when he was there, and I also happened to be there. But we never I never had uh, the honor of working with him, uh, but I watched him, and I think the guy is lovable. Is uh, such a great sense of humor uh, with his heavy Italian accent. Is just charming um the thing is when he goes on stage um he changes he changes he uh, he he's aware of that he says i'm a student of uh, a pupil of um, follower of toscanini toscanini was that great italian conductor in the 30s and 40s that uh was a very uh, important uh anti-fascist um, um figure leading anti-fascist uh, um, um, struggle all all over you know Europe and Israel and Palestine at the time a fantastic figure but he was Toscanini was formed in the leadership mold of his time think of the great conductors uh, I mean leaders of the political leaders of 30s 40s and you get the style so even though it was directed into a, a, a you know, a completely opposite direction. It's still at the same, uh, same, same style of, of, of leadership. And Muti says, I'm a, I'm a follower of Toscanini. I am the one deciding. I am the one knowing everything. I am the one um, um, telling everybody what to do and how to do. I am the source of knowledge. Why? He says, because I have this direct line to... Well, not God, maybe, but certainly Mozart. <laughs> and so, since I get the, you know, the gospel, I, I, and I have no space for myself. I'm also, I'm, I'm you know, I, I simply do what I see. I have no space to change anything. So I certainly cannot let anybody change anything while they're playing. And and you get a total control freak and total micromanager. Yeah, and we know dictators uh, are sometimes very effective. I, I just want to say again, I, I love the guy. I mean, I don't know him personally, but but the personality that I, I could sense is is so nice. And uh, what a shame that he has to 
put on this mantle of... Uh, uh, so he plays the role. He plays it so good that the story you may, might refer to is... Uh, he was he a was, um, music director of La Scala, this wonderful Italian um, uh, opera house in Milano. And then uh, at some point he got into a political fight over something, very Italian thing too. And then he was hoping for his musicians to actually back him up against the evil bureaucracy. Um, instead, he got a letter signed by all 700 um, musicians working in La Scala, all the singers, choirs, etc. And they all said, Maestro Muti, we think you're a wonderful conductor, but we would ask you to resign immediately. And, and why is that, of course? They were asked, and, and they replied, he's a wonderful conductor, because we cannot deny that whenever we follow his um, direct orders, the result is fantastic. On the way to these results, however, he's killing us as human beings, as musicians, as, as people who would like to have, you know, uh, some kind of partnership and some, some, some voice in, in what's... Uh, he doesn't allow for that. He's actually using us as instruments which leaves us uh, outside it. And in the long run, he will ruin not only us, but also the opera house. And, and therefore he resigned uh, completely, well, deeply, deeply insulted, I think. Uh, not to worry, he got fantastic jobs now in the States. He was first in Philadelphia and now in Chicago, which also raises some questions of why. Um, well, I guess the answer is that he is a great musician, and people do like to be uh, following some kind of a big father figure, um, and 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 he's charming. Now, you said using us as instruments and not as partners. So how do you how do you do that? How do you how do you lead people to an outcome, and keep them safe, and provide the boundaries and the beat? for them to use as a baseline with less control or with a different type of control or with no control at all. And I mean, how do you, how do you do that? It's probably a lot of leaders scratching their heads about that right now. If I can't formally tell you exactly what to do, then how am I going to get you there? There is this, there, there is this uh, figure that um, a conductor, great conductor, Herbert von Karajan, I would, I, I, I use in my pantheon of great conductors uh, as a bit of a, you know, um, of a trick I play. Uh, because Kayan looks so spiritual, you know. Uh, eyes wide shut, as they say, uh, all the time. You know, uh, arm movements that are never as, you know, Cutting and 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 and, uh, and pointing and 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 making sure and uh, uh, commanding like Muti's, but with soft arms that go, go around, you know, go go in circles, always leaving a, a feeling of being, you know, hugged and very close and very intimate to to the orchestra, and and, and people like that a lot. Um, they, they they say, you know, this guy trusts me. He trusts me with his eyes closed. You know, he doesn't have to. But uh, then, then you say, hmm, closed eyes. When do you open your eyes? You know, when you, you know, you wouldn't drive with eyes, your eyes closed, uh, God forbid, because there's constant, 
you know, um, feedback from from the road, um, and 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 you know, the best thing that can can happen to you while while, while you, you know you're, you're driving is that you manage to keep um, you know clear. Uh, contact with your eyes to other drivers and trying to understand what they're going to do so you can adjust But if you don't mind about anything else, you're playing your own video game. You can you know you can shut to them um, and the thing is with, with Kayan well, uh, Why 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 am uh, it's important for me because he doesn't tell you what to do. He expects you to guess his mind which at, at first seems like a nice game, but then you realize that it doesn't leave you any more space for yourself. Not only are you not told what to be doing, but you're supposed to you're supposed to work very hard to understand that this is really the hidden expectation, and he trusts you only to guess his mind. He doesn't trust you to bring in, in any content of your own that can actually connect to other things. Um, and, 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 and so that, that, that's very perplexing, I think. It's very confusing. On one hand, you feel so close. On the other hand, when you, you say to him, I feel so close to you, he tells you, as he did, really. He said, the orchestra musicians are close to me. Yes, of course, because they're, they're simply extensions of my own fingers. So they're close to me because they become part of me, not because I somehow help them to emancipate themselves and form some kind of intimate relations with me. He said, I can say that my, this finger of mine is very close to me, but it's, it's weird. So the question is how to be really that close, but not by uh, eliminating the, you know, the, the other people in the room, but actually, and, and that brings me to my, my two, I should confess, favorite conductors ever. Uh, and one of them is Carlos Kleider. Um, he was a weird guy. He was a weird guy. Uh, he's dead uh, for a few years now. He never was music director of any orchestra, I have to say. But wherever he came and conducted, you know, if, if you ask people who's the best conductor in the history of conducting, many, most will say Carlos Kleider. Um, why, 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 why so good? <laughs> why so good? So good because, first of all, he doesn't tell them what to do. He tells them what the outcome should be. But that outcome is not the final outcome. It's just a platform that once they get on through understanding the process and the way of uh, interacting with other people, they can change it. And that's something so, so wonderful. He gives them something very tangible, which is completely in their hands to change. Uh, and therefore, they have this feeling of safety because he does put the boundaries. He's able to say, you know, you're there with me on a roller coaster. We are all part of the, that, 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 that uh, process. We understand the process. So you don't need me to tell you where to go. But you need the safety of knowing that if you, by taking risks, by experimenting, you, you, you know, you're going to put your leg out of the roller coaster, it's very dangerous. I'll be there to tell you that. So I'm going to liberate you by putting a structure around you, this mental roller coaster over here. Uh, so first of all, this, this is safety. Um, and, and then you can change things. Now the question is, hey, if everybody changes things 
to their own wish. Where's the orchestra? Where's the togetherness? Why is he not there to tell them what the actual outcome should be? And the togetherness uh, really comes from understanding that um, uh, if you're part of a process, then there would be a natural inertia coming from the process, which is natural, which, which does not ca cause any kind of friction of, again, I'm being told what to do, I hate it, I want to, I'm a, an artist, you know. Uh, it, it'll be as, as you know, as, as surfing water. Somebody just told me a wonderful metaphor about the way Kleiber um, versus Muti, let's say, Muti, that dictator, he says, Muti is capable to stand in the middle of the ocean and he moves his arms and he creates huge waves. He has so much power. He's always there. And if he stops doing that, there's no movement. And Kleiber can create a wave and can at the same time surf that same wave. So the energy somehow goes back to him. It's not just him, you know. It's once there's a you know, wave, he can be on that wave and then go with it. And then the wave is changing, not exactly according to, but in a natural way, he created a process. Uh, well, I, I guess, I, I guess, the, the, you know, that, that's something to talk about, how, how to do that, how to, how to create uh, enough safety, enough uh, uh, motivation to go on that risky thing. Because, you know, if you work for a Muti, you can come in the morning and say, I'm a good uh, employee, you know, you tell me to play Forte, I play Forte. And with, with Clever, they come to, and he says, come with me on a roller coaster. And this is an imaginary roller coaster that we are going to build together while taking the ride. How crazy can that be? And people, many people say, I don't want it. You know, I just want my nine to five or in a case of an orchestra, nine to 12 rehearsal and then concert in the evening and go home. I don't want it. Um, he wouldn't take no, of course. Um, that's why he cancelled so many concerts and was so difficult to uh, um, to, <laughs> to get. Uh, so, so, so that's Kleiber. And, and maybe the last, last, last word about Kleiber. He also knew, of course, not only how to control people in a different way, uh, but how to reward them. And the reward was really the deepest imaginable acknowledgement of who they were. Uh, you see somebody playing solo in his orchestra and, and Kleiber is really completely immersed in that person's uh, activity, uh, uh, um, achievement, and, and, and that's so beautiful. Uh, I think that's, that, that's the only kind of reward that can get people to get out of their comfort zone, you know, feeling safe and, and being simply, you know, it's, um, a kind of a compliment, not a feedback in a technical way, but a compliment and an immersion that, that comes from, from, from the whole self. And yet, one, one more thing, just the last thing is, is since we're speaking about a musical process, he had to have partners that were at the level that they could actually understand. He had to have experts. You know, it's like a process, like you, you want to build a tunnel between, you know, Australia and New Zealand. You need experts to actually uh, think. Uh, think uh, so so he, he was working at, at that, that level. You mentioned they're working with soloists. And it was actually a question I was going to ask you a little bit later, but we'll, we'll bring it forward to now. You have 
Fergie said this beautiful line that it's when working with a soloist, essentially anyone that's just going out on their own to do to do a piece of work or a piece of creation that is they are wholly responsible for. He said it's not commanding, it's not telling what to do, but simply enjoying what the soloist is doing. And I just, I thought that's such an overlooked approach. You know, it's so easy in a in a leadership role, and, I, and I'm guessing when conducting an orchestra to assume that those that are doing well are doing well. That's great. We'll leave them to it, and pay all your attention to the to the parts that aren't in harmony, and to to visibly enjoy or even delight. Because again, I watched some of those examples that you sent. To even delight in the work of somebody else, you're like the very act of that reaction provides a springboard for them to go to an even higher place with it you know is that would you say that's one of the central roles of of being a great conductor or being a great leader it's to reflect back the talent of somebody else so that they can take that foundation and go even higher not only go even higher I, I, I agree to every word but higher to levels of the building that were not even built that were not even designed by yourself, or maybe not, not imagined by yourself. That's why you should be an ignorant leader. And ignorant, not in the sense that you don't know your work, but ignorant is, you know, you build this fantastic uh, elevator for people, and they can come in the elevator and by, by their own talent and, and personality, and they can press a button that doesn't even exist. And and then the elevator, and then you look at the building and you say, yes, I, I, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I was needed in the process. I'm still part of that, uh, but they took it to to levels that I couldn't even imagine existed. And then to acknowledge that you're smiling. I mean, because you cannot not smile when you see some, unless you are in a bit of a problem with yourself. If you say, oh, this guy got to big here or you know i don't i don't want anybody else to run my building this is my building and then you know you remember muti of course we talked about muti and there's this funny story uh, musicians tell about uh, you know the 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 concertmaster of the chicago uh, uh chicago symphony uh, goes out to the street after after a concert and he meets a friend and the friend asks him so how was uh, your concert with muti and uh, the violinist says, "Oh, it was good. It could have been better, but he wouldn't let us." You know, I'm I'm smiling here. The the reason I'm smiling is is possibly from personal experience because when you, when I, you know, apply your will, and I and I can definitely do that as a leader. When you apply your will to something, you know, when you push it with the sheer force of your own will, it it can only ever go as high or get as good as you have pre-imagined that it can be because you've already designed it before you walked in. But if you can remove your will and just provide your guidance, your reflection and a safe space, then you're right. You know, it can go to levels that you had just not even conceived that it can go to, which is, is when companies and teams go to new heights, new unimaginable heights, yeah, yeah. This is why I called my uh, humble book The Ignorant Maestro, uh, which got me, by the way, in, in, in a lot of troubles in the U.S. because people don't uh, appreciate any kind of irony or, 
<laughs> went very well in the UK, though. It, it somehow works better. Oh, we're very good at being humble. And very good at being ironic. Uh, you see, so Australia seems to be <laughs> more on the English side. So, so let's just... Let's let's take that let's strip that back a layer. You know, if you're not if you're not gonna apply your will, your voice, if you're gonna co create as you go, what happens when there's a mistake? When something goes wrong with the roller coaster? How do you offer important feedback? Because by the time you're on the roller coaster, you're moving fast. By the time you're in the midst of a piece with an orchestra, you know, it's it's in motion. How do you offer feedback and still keep moving? I'm still stuck in your first, the first phrase of your question. You said, if you don't, uh, uh, what did you say there? If you don't. Uh, if you're not going to impose your will on impose, somebody. Yeah, but it's, it's, it is imposing his will. Because you see, it's not like clever, for example, is not telling you, oh, you know, just take it easy. And when, you know, you finish your uh, tequila, you might want to, you know come in and uh, chip in or something. No, 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 he's demanding that. When you see Kleiber so physical on the uh, on the podium, you realize, you know, he has tremendous uh, power. But unlike Muti, he doesn't use the power to tell people what to do. He uses it to open a space and make it so clear to people that they have to, you know, they have to come in and fill in the, st- the space. So in a way, he's, he's you know, he's, he's made of a very tough material. It's not like, you know, let's just, it's not about just being a feel-good thing, you know, I want everybody to smile and that's it. No. Uh, but, 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 but then, again, it's, it's all about the, the ability to create that platform. Now, I think many people do assume that, you know, if you tell everybody what to do, you've got a better chance for things to be okay. But if you leave them to, the, to them to their own, even if you know you're sure that they're, you know, experts and that they understand the, 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 the logic of, what we do together, and they have this maybe vague but very inspiring idea of where we're going, uh, you're going to get uh, uh, trouble because they don't know what they should do. And the reality is exactly the opposite. When you ask Muti, Muti was actually asked in the TV interview, I can't remember when, uh, Maestro Muti, we know you're very exacting and per- perfection, you know, the will for, for get it, uh, absolute perfection, no mistakes, God forbid, etc. Who's the best conductor in the world according to your standards? And Muti said, Carlos Kleiber. Carlos Kleiber. So, so, so Muti advocates exactly the opposite. So spreading uh, control, Everyone in the orchestra having a full uh, space to to uh, to be uh, uh, creative, to take risks, to be um, you know accountable also accountable. Uh, this kind of of of, of uh, non centralized uh, uh, control or structure brings more accurate results than the organization held in you know, with an iron fist. So the, the pre as a pre assumption I think is is something that many people share, but is not necessarily true. Uh, and now orchestra in full swing. You know, one of the greatest conductors, I mentioned his name, Claudio Abbado, was music director of Berlin. And I heard him conducting the Berlin Philharmonic in Tel Aviv. That means the Berlin Philharmonic on tour. And they played an obscure piece you've never heard about. Uh, it starts like pa 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 
Beethoven fifth, you know, Berlin Philharmonic on tour playing Beethoven fifth, and something happened. And in, in the, during the, the the first movement, this famous piece of music, the orchestra was uh, one bar apart. Half two halves of the orchestra playing different things for you know what seemed like eternity, probably just a few seconds before somebody got that something is wrong. And you say, how did that, that happen? How did that happen? Um, I don't know how it happened, really. Uh, but I'm just saying nobody is safe. I mean, if you wanted to say the, the safest thing uh, in, in music is the Berlin Flamboyant playing Beethoven Fifth. They can do it in the middle of the night, wake them up with no light and no, no scores, and they will play together. And no, it doesn't work. So first of all, mistakes happen. And what do you do with, with mistakes? Well, what do you do with mistakes? Uh, you, um, you know, you can be very angry. It, it happened with great conductors. They are very angry. I remember a concert of the Israel film with Loin Mazel. Loin Mazel, another great name. And uh, they started the Mahler Symphony, and the poor trumpet player had a da 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 From that moment on, he was... I mean, the conductor was crossed with the orchestra. For the, in the next 90 minutes of the symphony, it was like Oof, standing completely with, uh, you know, uh, like like a child that was uh, punished or something and didn't want, didn't want to communicate. There, there, all all kinds of things are happening. Uh, obviously, that's not the way to deal with a uh, with a mistake when you still have 90 minutes to go. And 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 by the way, many musical ensembles, I'm sure many companies also play it safe. Play it safe. It'll be okay. We'll be together. We don't take any risks. Not good. Not good. Um, how does how does uh, Kleiber uh, treats mistakes? I think by um, by showing you very clearly what should have been there and wasn't. So there's clarity, <clears throat> and then for giving uh, another supported. Um, you know, go at the same sort of thing that, that keeps happening in a in a symphony, you know, the same kind of expression or something. Um, uh, that's the only thing you can do. Um, I often ask people, do you like mistakes? And, and of, of course, and they say no. Nobody wants to be that person that comes in the door and people say, ah, this is the guy with the mistakes. And then I ask them a very simple and stupid question, you know, have you ever learned anything the simplest video game uh, without making mistakes. We, we, we understand that mistake equals learning, it just equals learning. Jazz musicians often saying, I had a wonderful performance tonight because I made all the right mistakes. So what are the right mistakes? Another question. Uh, it's not just the mistakes you, you can you know uh, hide that nobody will, not, not even the mistake you can, learn how to avoid next time. It's a mistake that brings new potential and you want to you know, work, be working with that new potential. But now comes the, 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 the organizational culture thing. You know, you have to have a culture in the organization that says, okay, something happened here. Let's look at it. Let's have another go at it. Let's have, uh, and see if there's real potential in the mistake or we should really avoid it. And, 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 and that is something that, that, that Muti kills, the space around the mistakes. And, 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 and Kleiber allows for that space. There's this incredible book called Team of Rivals, 
the political genius of Abraham Lincoln. It's a, it's by Pulitzer Prize winning American historian Doris Kearns Goodwin. And I came across it because Barack Obama talks about it as one of his key resources when he was before he took office essentially how to oversee a team of people who all believe that their contribution or their interpretation is the most important one. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that that also exists within, within an orchestra, that an orchestra is very much, in some ways, a team of rivals. How, how do you turn that dynamic into harmony? Or, or do you not? And do you use it as a fuel? So don't try and get it out of the room, but actually channel it in the room. How do you approach that as a conductor or a leader? I'll, I'll try to start from uh, something a bit different. So, you know, I, I was um, principal guest conductor of one Romania, Romania's um, um, symphony orchestras. Um, I, I mean, um, there are two national symphonies, and one of them I, I was uh, leading. Uh, I had a wonderful time there because I didn't understand uh, uh, the language, and and I kind of made a point not to learn the language. I knew two words. One was "linishte," uh, which means silence or quiet, and the other one is, was "chokumik." Uh, "Chokumik" means uh, literally a small beak. When somebody <laughs> doesn't listen to your "linishte," uh, you say uh, maybe it's a bit rude, but that's all I knew. And it was so liberating. I didn't have to try to get into that dynamics. I could assume that everybody was just there to be the best they could together. Everybody loving each other. Of course, that wasn't true. But it was enough that I assumed that, not to make me into this uh, ineffective, uh, naive guy, but people could see some, some reflection of themselves they probably didn't see for a long time. Somebody actually believing uh, in, in them being better than, than, than they, they sometimes were. And I find this, again, an aspect of ignorance. This time, not towards the music and the outcome, the musical outcome, but towards people. You know, you look at people and they're not just that guy. Oh, and, and they have this kind of relation and you label things and you say, but, you know, you look at the people like Clive looks at the music. They are also in process. And, 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 and how, if they're in process, I, I use this, I know, maybe, uh, maybe too, many, too many times, this, this idea of how do, you control, how do you control water that's in a bottle? That's an object. Muti is the best in object control. He really knows how to you know, make the object stand in straight lines, in perfect shapes. And um, uh, but how do you control uh, water that's actually moving, not as an object, but as a process or, or, or flow? How do you control a river? Do you tell the water what to do? No, don't even think about it. I mean, Moses did. You remember Moses? That was a, <laughs> that was a long time ago. So what you do is you, 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 you create, you, you change the terrain. You, you put a dam, you, you dig a canal. So what I did with this, this Romanian orchestra, by willfully being ignorant about all those, you know, those, those, the, the, the human aspect of it, simply by creating that, 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 that gravity towards my belief that they were the best people, the best collaborators, they could do anything, it worked. It worked. I'm, I'm not saying it could work forever, but, 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 but it, it 
did work better, I think, than if I would try to resolve all the little, you know, conflicts or take them in, into account as, 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 as obstacles. Uh, sometimes you just have to be ignorant and very positive together. And, 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 and that worked. Uh, with, with, with Kleiber, he does that so beautifully, uh, simply with his body, with his face, with his, and I'm, and I'm sure, you know, if you look at different lines of management, there would be a different set of, uh, ways to express your uh, yourself, um, but I think the principle could be the same. If you look at people as not as you know something you can label relationship or not label to be competitive or otherwise, but you just look at it as a process. And you, your job, your hundred percent of control, is to create that world into which other people will pour naturally. Uh, what they, they desire to give, because everybody, everywhere, has a desire to give something. I can finish with my with my final question. It's the same question that that I usually finish on. And again, it's always ironic to ask somebody that's used to having an audience. So if I if I could give you a stage and a microphone, and in front of you I could put every single person that you would ever want to influence, what's the one thing? in relation to what we've just been talking about, what's the one thing that you would want them to know? I'd, I'd like some, somehow to be able to take them into that moment of, of not having the answer, you know? And, and in my, my own personal experience, I mean, my best tool, maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, not, too, um, not often enough used in our conversation, but my best tool is always humor. It's always, uh, you know, not making fun of, of somebody, uh, but being, you know, uh, mostly ironic towards yourself. Not ironic, not ironic is not a good word, but you know, just to understand that you're not that important. But, uh, but, but of course, this is only, uh, um, you know, your 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 feeling of, 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 of I'm not this. I'm not the space. Space is something else. I'm not the answer answer will come from another it, uh, it, it's it's really the first thing I look for in in, in, uh, in people the only way to to do that is um, not to tell them anything I want them to know it but I cannot tell them when the moment you tell something it's gone and it, it's 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 wasted uh, you have to be something in order to for other people to to be able to experience that being so I'm not saying I'm successful. I'm certainly not saying that I aspire to be a guru just standing there and breathing and hoping that uh, uh, world leaders will, will understand that and, and stop with the petty and uh, terrible things that they do. Uh, but that's the only thing you can do. And it works more often than, 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 than you could uh, assume. You're just going, going there, being yourself, uh, being vulnerable, and... And uh, if people, uh, you know, uh, there's this very, very strong effect of mirroring. And if you don't disturb that, then you'll have a, a full, a room full of people that can listen in a different way. And then by listening, they can really create together something really important that I don't know what it is. I have to walk my, you know, my talk. I don't know what is the one important thing 
that should be said, but I know how to get there. And it's certainly not by me telling them what it is. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure going on. It, it's literally been like following it or being part of a symphony. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure to be on the journey with you. Thank you for being on yeah, the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Judy, for, for, for being you know, such a, a fantastic partner. Because, I mean, it, it, that is the only thing that we can call success, this thing between us. Thanks so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and found tons and tons of useful ideas and insights for growing your own influence. Now, for those of you who want to take the next step in your influence journey, if you want to take everything you have learned today and just ramp it up a notch, or you just want to learn more about the power of thought leadership when it comes to growing a business, an enterprise, or spreading an idea, there is now also a research paper that you can download from my website, juliemasters.com pop in your email address it is free we will not spam you but it is jam-packed full of all the ideas tools and case studies that i have come across in 10 years of doing this work it's called the influencer code it's not long but it is full of value so download it keep it share it juice it for all it is worth i hope that it makes a massive difference in your career or business Thank you always to our producer, co-founder, and the main brain, I'm not joking, behind the Inside Influence podcast, Lauren Kelly. In the words of Jerry Maguire, you complete me. And if you did enjoy the show, then we would love you to share this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever your platform of choice happens to be. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an interview.